Welcome to the podcast, Cannons on the Run, episode 28. A production of St. Norbert Abbey in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm Reverend Frater Jordan. And I'm Frater Jonathan. And we are here to talk about life as Norbertines and Norbertines in initial formation. Absolutely. It's good to be together recording again because we never see each other. Never. (laughs) (laughs) The last time we were talking to you all, we were starting our reading week. And we had talked about a come and see weekend here at the Abbey. Since then, we have returned to Chicago and resumed life and studies and things. For me, I had a couple of midterms I've completed now. Woohoo! Yes. The first one was an online midterm I took actually in the library at the Abbey. And that was a four hour midterm, which was great. It was actually really well done. I liked it. I liked the exam a lot. Just essay questions, but you just need time to sift through the information. Wait, and then. You are like the only person who goes. I really liked the exam. I know, you're right. It's not a common response, but these exams force me to apply what we're learning, which Mm -hmm. as a teacher, I'm like, this is why learning matters. You don't learn stuff just so you can regurgitate it. You learn it so you can apply it in your life. These midterms clearly did that, which I'm very thankful for. So that's really good. So that's a success and accomplishment for me getting through those. Oh, you know what? We're going to give a little shout out right now to one of our podcast team members, Katrina. Katrina, can you come here and say hello? She's walking through because we're recording and she's working today. So Katrina's here. Our listeners never get to hear your voice. So this is Katrina. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. So Katrina is part of our communications team and does all sorts of stuff on the website. And as you can hear from her voice, she's always cheerful and upbeat and works really hard for us. So I don't know if there's anyone you want to give a shout out to, Katrina. Yes. um, This goes out to my handsome two-pound golden Dutch rabbit, Nicholas. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. All right. Thanks, Katrina. So one other fun thing I got to do was just recently I went and volunteered at the Catholic Worker House. It's in the Chicago area. It's called Sukasa, and they have in, a great website. You can check that out. In back of the lawns? Mm-hmm. Back of the yards, right? <laughs> right, back of the yards. I say back of the lawn because I get all the little neighborhood names mixed up. You and... know, that one neighborhood, back of the lawns? Right. You mean back of the yards? <laughs> <laughs> Yard, lawn, they're kind of synonymous in my mind, like... You can just call that neighborhood like the backyard. I went and hung out in the backyard, the back of the the other one. Chicago lawn, back of the yards. Oh, my gosh. There's so many things to learn. (laughs) No, I thought that was a lovely moment. Thank you. That's great. So I got to help out at the Catholic Worker House. I got to help set the table, and then I got to sit and have dinner with the people working there and the guests, which was lovely to break bread with everyone together. The house is bilingual, so many people there uh, speak English and or Spanish, or speak Spanish and or English. And then I got to help with dishes afterward, which is weird, but I love doing that. So all sorts of pots and pans and, you know, big industrial kitchen to scrub things down and clean up after we're done eating. So it was a lovely time there, getting to meet the people there and see a house in Chicago that's doing some really beautiful work. Cool. Yeah. How about you? What have you been up to since our last time we met? Well, I got some sad oh. news. Huh? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, during, during reading week. So our last podcast, we talked about uh, my thoughts of a stress fracture and talking about reconciliation and seeing a priest for reconciliation. Well, I finally went and saw the doctor and had a scan done on my leg. And to quote the doctor, it is a significant stress fracture. Mm. Go. Uh, <laughs> Which means I can't do anything for a really long time. 
So yeah, that's that's fun. I've been reading a lot more books and been pretty good at staying on top of my readings for school now. Hey. Uh, so I uh-huh. guess maybe the silver silver lining of a very dark cloud in my life. No. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. Melanc- I'm very melancholy <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh. But Deacon Jordan is still very delightful around the house, listeners, in case you're wondering. He's not walking around sad. Except I do like to rub it in. So when <laughs> Prater, Jonathan, and I were traveling back to Chicago, we stopped to eat. And he didn't take the parking spot closest to the door, but drove in the parking lot. And he's like, oh, we can walk. We both have good legs. And I'm like, that's easy for you to say, (laughs) you monster. (laughs) How thoughtless. My legs are not in good condition. (laughs) I know. I wasn't thinking about you. Yeah. (laughs) Still working on community life. (laughs) Terrible. Another fun thing during reading week, too, was Father Benny inviting me to preach and pray the rosary at Our Lady of Lourdes Parish. So it was the last day of a rosary novena and got to celebrate Mass with Father Benny in the community and preach, which was also an interesting experience because I prepared for different readings than the readings that were being used. And so it kind of put me on the spot. And I guess that's a fun thing to learn in ministry too, of how to adapt to changing circumstances. So really, really fun. A great showing of folks at Our Lady of Lourdes Parish. So shout out to them and nice. our, our lady. I'm sure you were great. <laughs> Father Benny, of course, said you were wonderful. Which Yeah, Father Benny is too kind. <laughs> <laughs> he is very supportive. Yeah. And then this week, well, I guess this last week when this recording actually comes out, I'll have a baptism in Minneapolis of my cousin's son, uh, Justin and Carrie's son, Nolan. So I'm excited about that. And Friday, we, we celebrate the life of Father John Bostwick, a good community member who has entered into eternal life with God. Mm-hmm. We didn't say it at the beginning like we typically do, but we're actually up in... De Pere at St. Norbert Abbey again already after only being in Chicago for a week. And we got news that one of our confreres, Father John Bostwick, had passed away. So we're here to celebrate the life of Father John and to spend time together as a community and to pray and have that Mass together. Yeah, and, you know, funerals are, I think, what do I want to say that? Funerals can feel awkward in our society. This is a big shtick in one of my classes. And when we talk about sacraments of looking at a Western or American lens of culture, highly values youth, that we don't want to talk about aging and we don't want to talk about death. And being up here for Father John's funeral, it really stirred questions, I think, in both of us of what is uh, proper mannerisms at a funeral. And I think what we do so well here in a religious community is offer prayer and liturgy and moments for us as Norbertines privately and for the larger community in the Diocese of Green Bay to celebrate the life of a Norbertine confrere. So last night we had a wake, the vigil service for Father John. And I can just recall being there and reflecting upon my own experience of death in my family of it's one of those tensions, right, that we're in, that we're here to mourn the loss of a loved one. But there's also this celebratory component to it of we're celebrating the life of the loved one lost. We're also getting the opportunity to connect with friends and family, Mm -hmm. which is also very, very joyful. Mm -hmm. 
So last night, it was joyful for me to talk to Sean Johnson, who was influential in my vocation in life as a campus minister at St. Norbert College, and he's now at Silver Lake College. He was influenced by Father John Postwick and his spirituality, and so it was so great to be with Sean because our ministries take us away in our physical locations, living in two different places. And so it was like Father John, even in death, brought us together. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, after we prayed Vespers together as a community and those who were present as well um, from outside of the Norbertine community, that we all go in to where the wake is held in visitation and in our chapter room. And at first it's silent in there as everyone comes and pays their respects and people are taking time to pray. But small conversations start to grow and then there's actually kind of a din of sound of people celebrating and sharing memories like you got to do with Sean, just reflecting on the impact that Father John had on their life. During that time, though, you can't help but have this small voice in you that's asking, like, should I be quiet for a while? Should I, you know, should I be sad? Is, is this appropriate to feel, you know, like joy and laughter at a funeral? But there's this script almost within you saying, but how am I supposed to act instead of recognizing? Here's how we're brought together. So I think it provides an opportunity for a family to come together and to celebrate that life and to talk about it. We as Norbertines now get to come back together. It's really interesting. We live a life of pattern. So there are certain seats, literally, in the house, in the abbey, that you just got used to seeing Father John in. A certain spot he sat at prayer most days. A certain spot that he'd be sitting at breakfast most days. So that physical pattern changes. So there is a visual, physical shift in the community when someone passes away. Because they are no longer occupying that literal seat in our daily pattern. But at the same time, we know as a community, the people aren't, they can't be replaced in our community. Our community is such a living, changing group of people. Like, it's almost like an organism. Yeah, I was going to say, it's funny you say that. I was going to say organism. Like, is that weird? Organism? Yeah. Community life is a life of fluidity, and it is a dynamic life. As you mentioned, Frater Jonathan, it is changing. And as we celebrated Come and See weekend and had 10 men taking a step to discern our way of life, that's new life coming in. But being also in this community, each individual, we each make an impact in our own unique way. Mm -hmm. Each person is not replaceable, but in a sense, the community and the spirit lives on because it's about something more than ourselves. And we've talked about it in the community already with Father John Bostwick passing away and other confreres who have passed away in the last few years since I've been in the community. You know, there's, there is. There's always a noticeable hole in the community. It's shifted. The dynamic of the whole group, it's fluid, so it's changing, but you, do, you notice a change for a while. And that's the beauty of the, I'll say, Christian contradiction. The reading from last night's Vespers for the Dead, Oh, death, where is your sting? Our belief is that Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, lives. Death, where is your sting? Your sting is nothing because we have hope. And this is what the Norbertine community is called to, that hope that we feel the loss and we're emotional and sorrowful for the loss of a member, for the loss of Father John. But we also have this belief and faith that death does not have the final word. And this is where our community, because we live together, is so supportive in these moments. And perhaps this is what a parish community can feel like for those who lose a loved one, right? Mm -hmm. In my introduction to the Old Testament class with Brother John Barker, 
we were talking about chaos and creation in the Old Testament from the very beginning of the Bible and literally referring to in the beginning, you know, there was basically it's chaos, formless void, this abyss, then from chaos God creates, God makes order. Death is one of the most extreme versions of chaos in our lives. And that's where the beauty of the church comes in, that we have a script to respond to chaos. You referenced briefly the Office for the Dead. So that's something that we as a community specifically do. When a confrere dies, we gather for prayer like we usually do. But we use a specific set of prayers of the divine office. That's the Office for the Dead. So last night for Vespers was when we started that time. We prayed lauds or morning prayer this morning out of the Office for the Dead. And then that leads up to celebrating the Mass for Christian burial. So we have a way that we as a community specifically respond to death and, and support one another as a religious community. I went to Mass at CTU, and while I was there, a sister came in. Um, it was very nice. She shared with the priest that one of her sisters from her community had passed away only hours before Mass. And so she shared to the priest, she said, so my job is to come to Mass and to pray for her. And I just loved that. It's a beautiful way that we as a church, anyone, whether you're in a religious community or not, you know that that's part of how we can lovingly respond to go and pray and so I just loved hearing her say that, especially in light of our own confrere, Father John, having recently passed away. It's like, that's great. That's a way that we can really boldly and lovingly respond to this chaos in life. And so we prayed for her at Mass that day, and it was, it was lovely. Yeah, I think what we do so beautifully well with the liturgy in our community, we still have scheduled prayer, but the ordinary is put on hold to celebrate the life and death of our confrere. So we still pray, but the beauty is we're using different prayers. Mm -hmm. uh, we're celebrating this person and the ultimate belief in eternal life offered to us by God through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me. We were talking about this idea of praying for the community, and I asked you, is there a biblical verse? You know, like it's something that I know our tradition passes down that we do. This is how we respond, you know, and how we pray for people, for the repose of the soul. That's something that's passed down in tradition in our faith, but I didn't know any specific verse that did. Right. Like, where does it say this? And, and our tradition holds it. Praying for the dead, celebrating Mass for the dead, having this deep connection with the dead. And uh, one of the earliest origins of it is obviously from scripture, and it was from Maccabees. And so Maccabees is a very fascinating book of the Bible. I haven't myself done much study on it, but mm -hmm. through theology classes, we've touched upon the topic of Maccabees. So, so in the book of Second Maccabees, what's fascinating is fallen comrades, fallen soldiers of the Jewish army are being prepared for burial. And what they found on them were these amulets, these pagan amulets that were taken as, as a reward in celebrating a victory. And of course, this is going contradiction to Jewish law of what's written in Deuteronomy, honoring the Lord God alone. Like mm. this was seen as... As sin. And it was then the noble Judas who said, We have to pray for these souls who have done something contradicting our law. This is then where this whole notion of prayer develops. So it reads, They all therefore praise the ways of the Lord, the just judge, who brings to light the things that are hidden. Turning to supplication, they prayed that the sinful deed might be fully blotted out. 
the noble Judas exhorted the people to keep themselves free from sin, for they had seen with their own eyes what had happened because of the sin of those who had fallen. In doing this, he acted in a very excellent and noble way, inasmuch as he had the resurrection in mind. For if he were not expecting the fallen to rise again, it would have been superfluous and foolish to pray for the dead. But if he did this with a view to the splendid reward that awaits those who had gone to rest in godliness, it was a holy and pious thought. Thus he made atonement for the dead, that they might be absolved from their sin. So looking to Second Maccabees in our own tradition, this is where this idea starts to begin of praying for the dead. The Catholic Church says, pray for the souls in purgatory. And it's this notion, of course, it's only God's grace that saves us, but it's this idea of a relationship with those who have gone before us and to continue to hold them in our hearts and minds, to continue to hold them in prayer, that in Second Maccabees that God does not focus on their sins, but that God focuses on his mercy for us and for those who have gone before us. Hmm. And the timing of this episode and what we're talking about right now could not be more perfect with when this episode is being released. What? <laughs> what days will it be when this is released, Deacon it will, Jordan? It will be released on Halloween, uh-huh. All Hallows' Eve, which is just before All Saints, which is before All Souls' Day. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Snap. <laughs> All deeply connected to what we're talking about, about praying for the souls of those who have gone before us and recognizing all the saints as well who've gone before us. Uh, Beautiful traditions of celebrating all those before us in our lives. Yeah, and we should uh, reflect upon what a great way to enter into the celebration of All Saints and All Souls Day as we call to mind uh, our loved ones and call to mind the holy men and women who've gone before us and ask for their prayers, but also take an opportunity to pray for them and entering into this tradition of we are the communion of saints. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. You know, use this as an opportunity to really reflect on November 1st and November 2nd, All Saints Day and All Souls Day, to really recognize, you know, there's beautiful history and love and opportunity to open into these wonderful people that have gone before us, and then specifically the people in our own lives as well who have touched our lives, and to really use those days as a way to really fully enter into, to open our hearts to where God is calling us to reflect and celebrate and give thanks for those those who have gone before us, and to pray for them. Amen. If you want to learn more about the podcast, head to www.norbertines.org. Click on the podcast tab. We'd love to hear from you as well. You can do that by clicking on Contact the Podcast Team. You can also find us on Facebook. Make sure to like us and listen to our podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review and a rating. As we prepare to enter into the celebrations of our church, of all saints and all souls let us call to mind our loved ones let us uh, celebrate their lives recall their goodness and holiness and ask for their prayers for us that we may illumine god's grace to all those who we meet and hopefully uh, father john can say some prayers for us as we say some prayers for him Uh, he was a spiritual father and one of the blessings of social media was on his death seen so many positive things posted on social media from his students at St. Norbert College. He was a good and holy man, and I only hope to be just as spiritual as he was, or as in touch with the Father. Mm -hmm. God bless Father John. 
God bless Father John. And it is in that spirit that we ask, again, for Father John's prayers, but also for Holy Father St. Norbert and St. Augustine. Pray for us. Thank you.